It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Friday, Kentucky Oaks Day edition of the Leach Report. Going to be beautiful weather this weekend. Of course, nobody gets to go to the Derby, and it's not raining. It's going to be beautiful uh, on Oaks and Derby Day, like sunny and 75 tomorrow. So uh, maybe you'll have a Derby and Oaks party. Uh, You'll have good weather for that. We'll talk uh, about... Uh, the racing with uh, Randy Moss from NBC. Randy uh, got tied up yesterday, so he'll join us today. Um, also covers the NFL, so we'll maybe work in a little bit of that since the NFL starts next week. Uh, Dick Girardi will uh, join us to handicap the Oaks and Derby, and then we'll lead off with Jay Lucas, newest member of John Calipari's basketball staff. That's our guest lineup, Wildcat News of the Day. Let's get started with that with UK defensive coordinator Brad White. Talk up with the media yesterday. One of the things he was first thing actually was asked about was moving guys around into different positions in case somebody would go down with the coronavirus for a, sh- a short time. You'd have to have guys be a little bit versatile. I think that's probably especially true in the secondary. Anyway, he talked about that and a couple of other things yesterday. Yeah, so we're, we are we're, we're playing guys at some some different spots here and there. Uh, you know what you don't want to do is put them in too many different situations because then they can't really get good at anything <clears throat> but you do have to plan for the worst at times so we do we do target certain reps uh to to give players different uh positions and just in case that that worst happens but if it does happen you got to you know like coach has always had here it's a next man up mentality and so we've got to make sure we train that depth and, and trust that when they get in uh, they'll be they'll be able to live up to our standard. Brad, how is uh, JJ Weaver? Obviously, he was a guy who you all talked a lot about down the stretch last year. What what has he kind of done in, in the summer, and, and how does he look now? <clears throat> JJ is ready to take a step, and that's that's what you're looking for. Especially, I mean, how lucky we were to to give him game reps last year, and then still have that red shirt. That I think that rule is unbelievable. Uh, you know, for the development of young guys. Um, so t- the fact that he's just a redshirt freshman, uh, he's he's had a really solid camp thus far. Uh, he's really done a great job in, in terms of shaping his body. He's already had uh, really good length, uh, but, you know, his flexibility, his twitch uh, is improved. His, his weight and his mass is improved. Um, and his understanding of the game uh, is improved. And understanding now it's not just trying to uh, execute the defense called, but, okay, how, do I, how am I a football player within the play call? And so he's really started to take a step there, really excited, uh, you know, about, you know, the, the potential that he has in him and how much more there's still to tap into. Uh, defensive coordinator Brad White yesterday also talked about being very pleased with the pass rush. And he thinks uh, Phil Hoskins is a guy who um, could have a really big year. Phil missed last season with uh, injuries, and um, he's a guy that has really – 
stood out, according to Coach White. Among freshmen, he mentioned Octavius Oxendine in the defensive line, also Josiah Hayes. Uh, Brandon Eccles, one of the players that talked yesterday, he was asked about which wide receivers are separating. He said Josh Ali's at the top of that list. He also mentioned Cleveland Thomas. And another one that probably a lot of you haven't heard as much about and maybe a name to keep an eye on, and that is Demarcus Harris. Two CBS college football analysts list Kentucky as the most underrated team in the SEC for this upcoming season. Um, think of the, I think there were seven analysts that CBS surveyed on the SEC race, and I believe there were three that had Kentucky pick third in the East. Florida announced yesterday they're going to have 20% capacity for their home games. Of course, Kentucky goes down there the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Claiborne Farm presenting our Kentucky Derby coverage this week, doing the usual unusually well for more than a century. It is Kentucky Oaks Day, big showdown between Gamine and Speech and Swiss Skydiver in the Kentucky Oaks later this afternoon. Tomorrow, the Kentucky Derby for the 146th time will be a field of 17 now. King Guillermo had to scratch because of a fever. Good news is it's nothing too serious, and they plan to point him to a race in the Preakness. So uh, the two horses that we have lost this week, King Guillermo and Art Collector, uh, both are planning to run in the Preakness in a month. ClaiborneFarm.com is where you can go to book a tour of Claiborne. We're going to head to a break, come back. Jay Lucas will join us, and we'll talk a little Oaks and Derby with Randy Moss and Dick Girardi in the second half of the show. It's the Leach Report, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Friday edition of our show, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Jay Lucas, newest member of Coach Cal's basketball staff at Kentucky. Welcome to the Bluegrass, Coach. Thank you. Tell me about Cal's pitch to uh, convince you to leave an assistant coaching job down there at the University of Texas and come here to the Big Blue. Well, you know, for me it was just an opportunity to come to a place I've always wanted to be at and to work for someone I always wanted to get the chance to work for. So, you know, in my mind when he called, it wasn't really much of a pitch that he needed to give me uh, something I kind of knew that I wanted to do and the opportunity I knew was hard to pass up because they don't come around a lot. You do this program a lot about it from uh, your days being recruited here. I know you've said this week that uh, you were very close to making the decision to come here until Coach Smith left. Um, now you come in a different role than you would have come in then. Uh, what's What kind of impact do you hope you can make? Uh, I think I, my biggest impact I want to have is just on the players that are here and hopefully I'm recruiting. You know, the main thing is just being another another voice and another ear for the players to talk to and hear from that promotes what the program is about and what Coach Cal wants to be about. And then in recruiting, just kind of the same to be a voice and an ear of everything that is up here with Kentucky. And, and, you know, I think the program and the city and the fan base and the tradition kind of sells itself. But, you know, I just want to be an advocate for that. Every business or or industry is kind of its own little small town. So I'm guessing you know most of these young men you're going to be working with already through the recruiting cycles, right? Yeah, you run into a few of them through the recruiting cycles. If you don't get to talk to them, you've at least, 
you know, seen them play. So um, I'm, I'm very familiar with the team. I mean, when you're at Kentucky, you recruit the best players in the country. So it's someone that, you know, every other university wants as well. So it, it helps out when you're transitioning into a position that I am. What are some of the things you uh, hope to be able to, to bring in this role that you're going to have now with Kentucky basketball? What are, have you, you know, brainstormed any ideas yet for things you can, you'd like to do? Yeah, the main thing I'd like to do is just kind of make everything in recruiting more efficient. Um, hopefully to just streamline things and take, take things off of the other coaches' plate, uh, while I'm in this position. Uh, I think a big part of being an assistant coach is you have so much on your plate with the recruiting, with taking care of the team and the guys, uh, with parents, so there's people on the team, and then with scouting reports, watching film and stuff. So if I could help alleviate some of the recruiting a little bit, just being organized and kind of getting a schedule together for the rest of the staff and, you know, when to call and stuff like that, I think if I can do that, I feel pretty good about it. And you're not allowed to go out on the road recruiting in this role, correct? Correct. But in these times, nobody's going out on the road, so you can you can be as big a part of it as anybody, I guess, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and you know, a big thing is, you know, when you're dealing with 16-, 17-year-old kids, they're more inclined to be more impressed if you text them than if you show up to a game. So. You know, being able to still communicate and stuff like that uh, makes it a, a big advantage as well. And like you said, you know, it's really no recruiting this year, uh, so far at least. So that that helps as well. But I think the biggest thing is just continuing to be able to communicate with AAU coaches, high school coaches, recruits, recruit pairs. You know, the biggest thing in the changing position is just really not going out and seeing them in person. I can do kind of much everything else. My uh, broadcast partner on the UK network is uh, former Kentucky player Mike Pratt, who knows your dad. Well, I've okay. don't ha- I've not had the pleasure of, of meeting your dad, but I am old enough to remember him as a player, probably on one of the most unknown great teams, I would say, maybe because they they lost that epic game to NC State in the ACC tournament final in '74, and probably could have won a national championship if they had uh, won that game, but it was. I, you know, I remember it was him and Mo Howard in the backcourt. You had a uh, Tom McMillan, a future congressman. You had Lynn Elmore's on CBS. Now, just a a great team. Yeah, and it's amazing that you name all those people and realize that they didn't even get a chance to you know play for it because of how the rules and how the oh yeah fourth in the country and didn't get to play in a tournament. <laughs> I know. I just think, just imagine that. Like if that happened now, I think people would lose their minds. Absolutely. What uh, tell, talk to us about the influence your dad has had on, on you in your basketball life? Oh, I mean, he shaped everything, um, you know. And he's always had a plan for me and my brother, who's also in, in coaching as well. You know, everything he put us through to become good basketball players, he is also teaching us to become good coaches and teaching us how to teach the game. And we were blessed. Um, to just to be around NBA locker rooms and to be around high-level skill development and players like that. So we got a crash course in coaching and teaching without even knowing it. You know, I would always get mad because I would work out in the morning and then he would make me go work out like elementary school kids and people who were coming to the gym. And, you know, at 15, you're not really paying any attention to it. You're just mad that you still have to be there. Uh, but, you know, I think he – he knew the long game and was, you know, had a plan for what he was trying to get us to do, and I'm very appreciative of him for that. Is he giving you any advice as you 
take this particular uh, turn on your basketball journey to come here to Lexington? Uh, no, you know, not really. He was in full father mode when I told him, you know, I was taking the job. He was excited. Uh, he was happy. And, of course, he, he knows that he's known Cal for a long time, so he was comfortable with me working for him and coming to Kentucky. And he was just saying, you know, this is the next journey and the next step. Um, and he's just saying treat it like you always have. Go in there and work hard. And everything will work out for you. You grew up in, in basketball, obviously. Um, so did you always kind of think of yourself as maybe going into coaching someday when your playing days were over? Or how did that how did that come to be the path that you chose? Well, no, you know, you always, when you're young, you always think you're going to play till you're like 50. <laughs> like <in laughs> the NBA. So, you know, that was always a dream of mine. I, I stopped playing pretty young, actually. I stopped playing at 24. Um, and then I got right into coaching, and it and actually it was just the next natural thing. I thought I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it or not, but then as I started to get in coaches and, and grew in the in the profession, you kind of understand, you know, all the experiences and everything I've been through and everything I was taught and you know everything I had to go through in my basketball career. It was easy for me to communicate and to build relationships with the players because it was like I was talking to myself. So that's something that that once I figured that out, it kind of made me fall in love with it even more. And I just once I got to that point and got that feeling, I knew this is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Well, working for Cal, I know you're busy, so uh, we won't take up any more of your time. But I look forward to meeting you soon. Oh, absolutely! I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Coach Jay Lucas joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're going to take a break, come back. Randy Moss from NBC will join us. We'll talk a little bit about the Oaks and the Derby, maybe a little NFL as well, here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter, at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. 25 past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, and Randy Moss joins us from NBC. He'll be working the Oaks and Derby, uh, but not here in Louisville, right, Randy? No. How, how is that Big Blue Nation, by the way? It's, 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 uh, commercials. it's, all, it's all about the Big Blue Nation. <laughs> oh, it is most definitely all about the Big Blue Nation. They're just a little uh, bored. They want football. The, should, the opener should have been tomorrow. And the Derby should have been in May, and there's a lot of should have beens in this year. So they are they are hungry for the Wildcats. In the meantime, uh, hopefully some of them are going to try to win some money this weekend. Yeah, maybe we can fill in with a little horse racing before the SEC gets going. Yeah, I wish I was in Louisville, or I wish I was among the big blue nation, even in Lexington right now. But we're we're doing the Kentucky Derby just like we did the Belmont and the Stephen Foster and the Haskell and the Alabama, and just like we'll do the Preakness next month. From the NBC Sports Studios uh, in Stamford, Connecticut. Is what's that been like? Uh, because you know you're an old newspaper guy. You like you know going. You and Jerry Bailey, I know, talk about going around to the barns, getting to you know getting some of the inside scoop from the trainers and things. And you don't get to do any of that now. No, I mean we prefer boots on the ground. Uh, we like to not only you know talk. To trainers but we like to see the horses and and we're making a lot of phone calls you know we're making a lot of uh, party line they used to call them phone calls where jerry <laughs> will call a trainer i'll call the trainer we'll patch each other in 
we'll have a three-way phone conversation. Uh, but when it comes to the actual nuts and bolts of it, Tom, like, for example, when we do the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs, our set is located on the first turn. It's style over substance. They, they, they want the, the beautiful Twin Spires shot in the background behind us. So we can't see a thing out there. I mean, I'd rather be up on the, you know, the roof of the grandstand with binoculars and all that, but instead we're sitting there with our backs to the grandstand and we're watching everything on a TV monitor. Yeah, so that's we true. cover the Derby and the Preakness, uh, not so much the Belmont because we're up in the grandstand for the Belmont, but we cover those races looking at the TV monitor, so it's really not going to be that much different looking at the TV monitor here in Connecticut. Let's start a little bit with the Kentucky Oaks today, and it is uh, quite a triumvirate there in Gamine, who's been sensational in her last two races, Swiss Skydiver, who uh, nearly won the Bluegrass here at Keeneland and then just destroyed a field in the Alabama, and then Speech, who's maybe a little under the radar versus those two, but uh, had a nice win in the Ashland here at Keeneland. Any, any scenario in which one of those three fails to win this today? I can't see a scenario, Tom. But but what a big three that is! Oh, you know, this, incredible. This is probably the best trio of horses in the Kentucky Oaks that I can remember. And I've been coming to Churchill Downs, and this is my 40th Kentucky Derby, so that many Kentucky Oaks. Everybody talks about Tis the Law, and rightfully so. Gamine has actually run faster in the analytics than Tis the Law has run, and then when you look at Swiss Skydivers, Alabama, and Speeches, Ashland, those two races are faster than any other three-year-old in the Kentucky Derby other than Law. So this is just a sensational Kentucky Oaks, and I can't wait to see what happens today. Talk with Randy Moss from NBC Sports, and uh, he, Jerry Bailey, Mike Tirico, etc., our friends, our, our, our Kentucky Mafia friends, Kenny Rice, Donna Barton Brothers, will uh, be on the coverage today. And uh, we'll continue with Randy here, talk a little bit about the Derby when we come right back. We're halfway home on the Leach Report for this Kentucky Oaks Day Friday, and we'll be right back. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. We're back with Randy Moss from NBC as we uh, talk about Oaks and Derby weekend. And Derby 146 is coming up, of course, tomorrow with just naturally, Randy, with no people allowed to come and you guys not there. Uh, it's going to be sunny in 75. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes, it'd be, it'd be it'd be pouring rain if we were there both days. That's Absolutely, works, right? um, I think interesting from a strategic standpoint. And you've uh, you do uh, pace figures, uh, analyzing pace for I guess for right. for what DRF is that where people find those? Yes, correct. Uh, DRF dot com. Uh, I think it's an interesting strategic race because you have got the top three choices on the morning line in beside each other in 15, 16, and 17 now with the scratch of King Guillermo out on the far outside, and you've got uh, Authentic the farthest out. It would seem to me, and you can see if ver- verify this or, or uh, dispute it, that 
the, the strategy there is maybe like a winning colors type strategy for authentic. Just take the fight to them, throw down the gauntlet right at the start. If you run with me, I'll break your spirit. And if you try to run late, I'll have built up too much of a lead and try to win it that way. But how do you see the pace unfolding? Yeah, the, I, I mean, I think it's it's uh, assuming he breaks okay. Uh, authentic should should set the pace. Uh, the only caveat to that is that the one race on his form recently where he didn't set the pace, which was the Santa Anita Derby, was a race in which he broke from the extreme outside post position, and when the gates opened, he hung badly to his right because there were no horses out there. So he ducked out to his right. Now he's got the extreme outside post position again in the Kentucky Derby. So they're going to be uh, really on guard to try to make sure that doesn't happen. But there is a strategic advantage, according to Jerry Bailey. I wouldn't know these things, but uh, Jerry was talking to me about it. Uh, For authentic, having tis the law directly to his inside. Because the way Jerry lays it out, uh, going down the stretch uh, the first time, um, authentic and uh, John Velasquez can just sit a little bit to the outside of tis the law and Manny Franco, maybe a half length, and not open up on him yet, and force Franco to sort of make a decision, right? You know, kind of put him in an uncomfortable situation. Do you go on? Do you grab a hold of him and take him back and then risk another horse coming up to your outside? Kind of ride him a little bit down the stretch the first time. And then when they get the clubhouse turn, you know, open up a little bit on Authentic and just let him roll at that point. But I think everyone expects Authentic to set the pace. I don't think New York traffic will be too far behind. Uh, he was shadowing him pretty nicely in the Haskell, and they may choose to try to turn up the heat a little bit on Authentic this time around. Um, but uh, that's the way I see the, the pace unfolding. Any vulnerability that you see for Tis the Law? Um, the only real potential vulnerability, and it, and it may actually be a mirage, is that his only lifetime defeat was at Churchill Downs. And it was last uh, last November in the Kentucky Jockey Club. Now, there were some other extenuating circumstances. It was a sloppy track. Um, he was also pinned down on the inside, which has, he has never really had to deal with before uh, for any length of time. Uh, but he did get out in plenty of time at the top of the stretch. And he had room between horses. And you didn't see that tis the law kick down the lane in the Kentucky Jockey Club that we saw in the Holy Bull and the Florida Derby and Belmont and the Travers. So I think some people that are inclined to take a shot against the heavy favorite might be banking on the theory that possibly Tis the Law doesn't really take very well to the Churchill Down surface. Honor AP, I've been impressed by how he's just looked out on the the track since he's a He's arrived in Kentucky. Is he the, the biggest threat to him, or is it somebody else? I think so. I mean, big, beautiful horse. Um, and it's uh, Honestly, though, Tom, it, it it's almost a toss-up in my eyes uh, between Honor AP and Authentic. I, I would give Honor AP a bit of an edge because I think he's more suited to the mile and a quarter than Authentic is. But there's a lot to be said for horses uh, being on an uncontested early lead. And if they don't press authentic with New York traffic or even with Tis the Law, um, and he's training very well, then, you know, authentic could carry the race a long way. Authentic beat Honor AP in the San Felipe, but Honor AP had an excuse. It was his first start of the year. And then 
Honor AP turned the tables on Authentic in the Santa Anita Derby, but Authentic had an excuse when he broke poorly from the gate from that outside post, had to come from a little off the pace, and then was hung wide around both turns, three wide around both turns. So this is the rubber match, and I don't think it's still really decided uh, whether Authentic or Honor AP is the best horse. Randy Moss, uh, well, let me ask you one other question real quick on the NFL before we let sure. you go. Uh, how do you think Tom Brady will fare down to Tampa? I think he'll fare very well. He's got, you know, one of the problems that Tom Brady had last year in New England and even the year before, but especially last year, people were saying, oh, he slipped, his performance is not as good. He had nobody to throw the ball to. Gronk was retired. Edelman was hurt. They didn't give him any help uh, in, as far as bringing in receivers. And, and, I mean, he was in a bad spot. Now he's got Mike Evans, he's got Chris Godwin, he's got good tight ends, including Gronk. Now they've got Leonard Fournette. Um, he's got all kinds of weapons at his disposal. So I, I think you're going to see, uh, in my opinion, I think you're going to see a good year from Tom Brady. Randy Moss, NBC Sports. You'll see him on the uh, coverage tomorrow on NBC and today as well with the Oaks. Thank you. Take care, Tom. Randy Moss joining us on the Kentucky Hemp Works. Dot com hotline. Dick Girardi, next up, we'll get his thoughts on uh, handicapping Oaks and Derby Day here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. 16 minutes away from the top of the hour as we return to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Dick Girardi, longtime turf rider uh, from Philadelphia. Now he comes to us courtesy of BetOnline.ag as uh, we chat about an unusual Oaks and Derby weekend here in September um, and no fans on site. How do, do you think that has any effect on, on the horses? Probably helps them, Tom. Uh, I think horses, some just don't like noise. Remember, famously, American Pharaoh freaked out in the paddock before his first start, ran terrible. They uh, outfitted him with earplugs. And there's some conjecture that that might have been the reason maximum security veered out coming into that wall of sound at Churchill. So it's going to be kind of like for the horses, just like a morning of training with some uh, owners and trainers shouting in the, shouting into the wind in, in the grandstand. Yeah, certainly no uh, no wall of sound. Just uh, I guess there'll be a few uh, hundred people there sprinkled throughout that massive grandstand at Churchill. Uh, let's start with the uh, the card today and the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, I asked this of Randy Moss a moment ago, and I'll ask you the same thing. Is there any any scenario in which one of the big three doesn't win the Oaks? I can't come up with one. I mean, you're talking about some serious resources here with skydiver speech and gamine uh yeah i mean grade ones run fast consistent yeah nothing much not to like about any of those three speech seems to be a little bit of a of a buzz horse with people looking for for value which means there probably won't be much value um in any way and from a betting standpoint is there anybody else that you could consider sticking in to a second spot in exacta or a third spot of a trifecta ticket to try to boost the payoff I mean, you could, but I think you'd probably be making a mistake. Uh, the odds on Swiss Skydiver, to me, not big one, two, to me, are not very high. Uh, it's, look, it's possible. It's horse racing. Weird things happen. Maybe they get involved in a speed duel because Swiss Skydiver's down on the rail and they want to send her. 
but the trainers there, obviously, Fabric and Kennedy, think they're smart guys. So are the jockeys. So I don't see that happening. Uh, but it, look, speech, I think, is cool. She's a, she's a very nice filly. She ran the race of her life last time. Um, but this is a different ballpark uh, here. As good as my man uh, Michael McCarthy is, and he's really good. He's one of the best trainers out there that people don't know as much about. Uh, I think he's a little up against it because he's going to not have to uh, not only have to catch Swiss Skydiver, going to have to catch me, going to have to catch both of them. That's asking a lot. Swiss Skydiver just won at a mile and a quarter. Some question Gamine at uh, a mile and an eighth coming off two big races at a mile and at seven furlongs. Um, how do you see the race playing out? Yeah, I think that's not unreasonable. I mean, our only two-turn race was the only race where there was anybody in the vicinity. She only won by a net at Oakland Park that day. And in the mischief, I mean, he's, he's like the number one sire out there these days. Uh, and, and she cost a million eight at, at the sales. Uh, Demine did. But, yeah, his, his progeny typically a mile and eight is about as far as they want to go. But, man, when you watch Kameen's races, she doesn't look like she's getting tired at all. I mean, that acorn was ridiculous. She won by 18. It looked like she could have won by 100. Um, and, obviously, Swiss Skydiver has zero issues with any kind of uh, distance. But, yeah, that's the only thing you can say about Kameen. Maybe she doesn't want to go this far. But, boy, if she's out there cruising on the lead again, I, I don't. I, I, she's the most likely winner, as good as Swiss Skydiver is. Our listeners are always looking for a way to make a little money somewhere on the card. There are several stakes races today. Any good opportunities among those other races? You know, it's interesting. Maybe I, I thought Sharing's race, she's in the ninth race, the Edgewood, uh, the Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, juvenile Phillies winner. I thought she ran tremendous at Royal Ascot, uh, but I just thought there's not going to be any price. She's listed at 6-5. to five. Um so if, if there's something like a bomb today, I didn't see it. This looks relatively formful to me on the card. Obviously, the, the last race, the Inspire Surf Sprint, I, I, we all try to bet these races. I'm like over life on these five-prolonged uh, dashes. Uh, some wild horse will win, and I will not have it. <laughs> You've resigned yourself to that already. That's probably good. Yes, I have. <laughs> Let's talk about the Kentucky Derby tomorrow. Uh, you've got the top three choices side-by-side side in the starting gate to the extreme outside, which is kind of a, an interesting angle. The two most experienced jockeys are on either side of the favorite who's ridden by the youngest jockey in the race, albeit an accomplished rider in Manny Franco. But there's some interesting angles there. Um, you've been on the buyer speed figure team for a long time. Tis the Law jumped up from... Uh, around his best had been 100 to a 109 when he won the Travers so impressively last time. Uh, from a numbers perspective, uh, anything that uh, catches your eye for handicapping this race? Yeah, a, a couple of horses. Look, I, I think the Tisdale 109, I think that's probably going to be the new normal time from what I've seen. Uh, his last two workouts were as good as the workouts before that. This is the first time he's come back on, quote, short rest. It's four weeks, but these days that's short rest and horse racing. Uh, but I, I think uh, that number kind of jumps off the page. The other one, look, Honor AP is giving you a couple triple-digit buyers. Authentic just ran the race of his life, as did New York traffic. We just missed winning uh, the Haskell. So, yeah, the race is clearly to the outside. 
and I'll include attachment rate at that, uh, uh, with that. He's 50 to 1 on the line. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Art Collector obviously wouldn't have been anything like 50 to 1 if he was in this race, and he just ran second to Art Collector in the Ellis Park Derby. So, yeah, I think that's the race, 13, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, they just kind of stand out over the field to me. It looks like this is a race. It's hard to uh, uh, imagine you know, a, a mind that bird in, in this type of field. It looks like to me there's a lot of horses that, you know, if, if their connections are realistic, they, they'd be thrilled to get third. Yeah, if they were realistic, they'd be in the pet day mile. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, but look, there's even derby fever in September. I get it. Uh, but, yeah, I can, I can tell you, I, I won't embarrass anybody, but there's at least 10 horses here that have no chance. Um, and, and unlike an early May race, uh, where occasionally you can get like a, a pace meltdown or horses that have real talent just aren't quite ready. These are much more mature three-year-olds now, the four-month-later derby. And somebody's asked me about that the other day, and I said, well, here's the problem for all the other horses. His the law would, would have been favored against this group if it would have been the first Saturday in May. Well, uh, all of them have gotten better to some extent. Well, he's gotten better than they have, and he was already better than they were to start. So, yeah, he's improved, gotten bigger, stronger, faster. So it's going to be very difficult to beat him. And one scenario that's interesting to me is Authentic looks like the speed on the outside. I mean, he should be. I'm sure they'd like to see him in front. Um, Tisla Law always breaks incredibly sharply in his races. I, I just wonder in these first couple hundred yards, if Authentic doesn't break as well, will he be able to easily clear him or could he potentially be lapped outside of him? Just those kind of in-race scenarios. But if they come into the first turn time and Tisdall all say sitting third or fourth, a couple lengths off the pace, in the clear on the outside, good luck to the rest of them. What about the rest of the card on Saturday? Uh, any horses you're particularly eager to play on? Well, I'm probably not alone in this. Uh, but in the ninth race, uh, which is the Pat Day Mile, uh, Cezanne has been this incredibly uh, – Highly touted, Bob Baffert horse, uh, $3.65 million yearling son of Curlin. So far, he's been underwhelming. Uh, his first two races were just okay. Then he ran fourth in the shared belief, but it was also last uh, behind Thousand Words and Honor AP, obviously, will both be in the Derby. He's a horse I want to line up and try to beat. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe Echo Town. The two, digital, the five, tap it to win, the six. And maybe a little eight, the Sonoman uh, is 20 to one for Asmussen if this race falls apart. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more, that's more a negative opinion than a positive. I'm going to see if I can beat Cezanne in that race. BetOnline.ag is uh, presenting Dick Girardi's appearance here on the show. And in addition to just playing the races, they have a lot of prop bets there, like Super Bowl type stuff, right? They do, and probably my favorite in here, Tom, is the winning margin of victory over under a length and a half. Uh, if we think that Tisla Law is going to win, and, and I do, I, I suspect you do too, every one of his wins has been by three lengths or more. So I like the over, and that's basically an even-money proposition. Uh, and there's a couple other fun bets like will a Baffert horse win, and you get two. And obviously, Baffert has won the Derby five times, going for a record six, and you get nine to two. 
and you have thousand words and authentic. Uh, I wouldn't want either one of them by themselves at nine to two, but getting two of them is a might be an interesting bet because uh, Mr. Babbert knows how to win this race. And I'll say this about authentic: if you watch his work since the Haskell. He looks like every good baffer horse he's ever brought to the Derby. Same work pattern, looks great. Each work is better than the previous one. I just have a question whether the horse is going to be quite good enough to beat uh, Tis the Law and a couple other horses in the race. I don't think Authentic's going to win it, but I think he's going to be real scary when they turn for home. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, he could be a Bodemeister kind of deal, right? That's maybe, what I think, too. Yeah, maybe he doesn't win, but he's going to make somebody run to beat him. Dick Girardi, enjoy the racing this weekend. You got it. Thanks so much, Tom. We'll wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Three Wildcat birthdays today. Julius Mays, Uncle Julius, celebrating a birthday today. Bo Lander, his son Todd, also played for the Cats. And from the Kentucky football family, Martavius Nellums, defensive back. Guests on our show come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is more than just CBD. They are featuring a variety of products, including a couple of new ones for fishermen. Still time to get out and do a little fishing before summer ends. And these are two products for fishermen that are made entirely from hemp seeds. It's a certified Kentucky Proud operation there in Christian County. Three generations of the same family, locally grown, locally processed hemp products. They control the whole process. If you want to be a wholesaler for Kentucky Hemp Works, go to the website, KentuckyHempWorks.com. Check out the information, call your legislators, and tell them to support pro-hemp legislation. And you can find out more about that through some of their videos. Also check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, for the Oaks and Derby, I'm going Swiss Skydiver in the Oaks, and I really like Honor AP in the Derby to upset Tis the Law for a long shot to not win so much as maybe hit the board. Solo Velante, keep an eye on that one at a big price. Got a race call for you, not uh, Oaks or Derby related, but one I think you'll get a kick out of from the sixth race yesterday in Indiana Grand. 16th to go. Snell, yeah. The lead's a length and a half. Dodger outside second. Deep stretch. Snell, yeah. And Dodger, it's Snell, yeah. Victorious. Yeah, the horse name for Benny Snell won his first race yesterday up at uh, Indiana Grand. And from SteelersDepot.com, Mike Tomlin said yesterday, Benny Snell has had an awesome camp with the Steelers. That's good to hear. Enjoy Oaks and Derby, everybody. We'll see you back live on Tuesday. Best of the Leach Report for Labor Day on Monday. TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.